Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. And welcome in the Bink at Night, Jay Binkley. The Dirty Werewolf, Dusty Likens himself. Always good to see the Dirty Werewolf. Oh, by the way, Burns on Deck show comes at 8. See, last night I said that Brad Keller was pitching in Vern. Oh, he told you that too. Of course I'm going to announce the starter. Very sensitive. We turn over Joshua in here. Oh, my God. Yeah. A little sensitive. I mentioned who the starting pitcher was going to be. Who now, cares? Doing the lineup might have crossed the line a little bit because I know he gives those out right in the beginning of the Burns on Deck show. But a late night for Dustman, a late night for Josh Vernier. Royals out in Seattle. What a night last night. A little grand salami from Sal Perez. Can he get the 48? That's the question. That's the question. But uh, welcome to the show. Of course, the Chiefs finish up preseason football coming up at 7 o'clock against the Minnesota Vikings. Then, then you can forget about preseason because you don't remember it. Just like last year, they didn't have it, but the year before, you don't remember who won. You don't care. At 10 o'clock, it's Browns time. You, you like me, Dustman, when the final preseason game is over and they hit the cuts on Tuesday when they go to 80 to 53, but at 10 o'clock, it's like turn the page. Bob Seeger, turn the page. Tonight basically solidifies that the regular season is right around the corner, right? Like after yeah. the after they get done with the with the final preseason game, it's okay. There's nothing else now that's fake. Everything else from here moving forward, it starts. And I think it even I, as soon as the fourth quarter's over in tonight's game, it's you know it feels like going to church on Christmas Eve, right? You're waiting for Christmas the next day. You've gone to church. You've done everything you need to do. You're you've done their family dinner, however you get ready for Christmas. And then you go to bed, and the morning you wake up, and it's here. And for someone who's in love with football like you are, tomorrow more or tomorrow, I guess, you know, Saturday morning, Christmas is here, right? We're officially here. And there's some interesting stuff that, you know, we're going to pay attention to tonight. Obviously, there's some some roster spots that are going to disappear very, very quickly and at, a, at an abundant rate. But, uh, yeah, I'm like you, man. Like, you. you know, haven't done my draft yet, waiting to get everybody out of preseason, you know, get ready for the for the regular season. And then it's, you know, Labor Day weekend, and then bang, football Thursday night. Well, we'll talk to Dusty about that coming up here in just a few minutes. Dustman does all the fantasy football stuff here. 9 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. Every Sunday, moving forward, yeah, except fa- for uh, the holidays. But yeah, I'm yeah. usually right up here after you, so I see the Dustman quite a bit. But your fantasy football guru right here at Dusty Likens handles our fantasy football and doing a lot of stuff probably with us at night from time to time. I'd like to have the dust man talk some fantasy football from time to time. But regardless, Missouri, maybe you're going to high school football game tonight. It starts in Missouri. 
That's right. I know Carrington's excited to see North Kansas City High School because Dominic Orange may be going to Missouri, maybe not. You know, still the offers out there. So, but anyway, Missouri High School football tonight. Kansas starts next Friday night. We have five college games tomorrow, five dust man, including Nebraska and Illinois at noon. That's going to be fun. That's the highlight of the day tomorrow. Then we got games starting on Thursday. We've got Kansas in South Dakota Friday. You got K State and Stanford down at uh, Jerry World in D- in Dallas on Saturday, and then you got Mizzou Central Michigan on Saturday. But football is essentially here. That's kind of what I'm always thinking of the final preseason game. It's kind of start thinking about moving forward with the regular season. We didn't have this last year, Dusty. I felt like it was a hibernating bear, right? The pandemic hit, you know, the world shut down. Football didn't have preseason. Training camp is weird because it wasn't in St. Joe where we like to go and see him practice. And then they didn't have preseason. Boom, start the regular season. Didn't it feel weird last year? This actually feels like a regular football season, and I can't uh, wait. Uh, the Chiefs earlier tonight, um, classy move. Today's Trust Paler Day in Kansas City. Trust Paler meant, meant a lot to me, meant a lot to Dusty Likens, meant a lot to anybody here at this station, anybody you really came across to be quite honest with you, the mayor uh, called it Trez Paler Day. I think this is awesome. His fiance, Ebony Reed, um, will join us at seven. Five football seasons she spent with Trez. Five football seasons. So I had a chance to catch up with her and uh, find out exactly how many times she heard the word all juice team uh, when she was hanging out with Trez. So looking forward to talking to her. That $100,000 plus scholarship at Howard University has now been endowed. So it's not going anywhere. It's a huge deal. Uh, for the Trez Paler Scholarship. The Chiefs just gave it $10,000 tonight. One of those giant, great big checks uh, that I've never seen by cash, those big checks. But anyway, nice gesture for the Kansas City Chiefs. They retired Trez Paler's uh, seat in the press box. Put a little tribute out there for him. It'll always be retired as the Trez Paler seat, which is all class, first class, to remember Trez Paler in a place that he loved so much. But, Dusty, I, I did the Trez Paler show last year. Um it was wrapping up right when you'd start Red Reaction, which will be back on this year as well. It's Nate Taylor uh, this year. Looking forward uh, to working with Nate Taylor on the Nate Taylor Show. But Trez was always one of a kind, and this last year, no exception. Uh, it was different because of you know the pandemic, and you know you're doing shows remotely from time to time here and there. It was a bizarre year, but it was the same Trez Paler we always expect, and. I always had such such fun doing the show with him because you've all heard the stories, how detailed he was. He asked the best questions of anybody in the Kansas City media. It's not even close because he would he was like a personal friend to everybody when he talked. What he did is unbelievable. I wish I could do some of that myself, to be quite honest with you. But it was always one of my favorite times of the week to work with Trez. We'd talk. He'd email me, hey, I got this interview with Alex Smith. Let's talk about it. He'd get so excited. We'd talk Hall of Fame. He'd go up two or three octaves. But he was always a, always just a real gentleman in the game of football that he loves so dearly. And the bottom line is he covers Super Bowls now. Like, he's big, he was big time. He covered the Super Bowls, wrote for Yahoo. But I knew him back in the day. I knew him back doing the high school football stuff. I love high school football. He loved high school football, too. He treated high school football games like you would the Super Bowl. I mean, he put that kind of attention like he does Super Bowl cover, did Super Bowl coverage, he would put that kind of attention towards high school football. And we used to joke around because I'd be doing high school football broadcast. He'd be out there covering it for the star. We'd joke around, talk about the concession stand, whatever. We always knew when the best-smelling press boxes were. You never knew it. But Trez and I 
were on top of that. Then seeing them blossom into the Missouri beat writer and, and do such a great job of that before spending five years covering the Chiefs for the star before he moved on to Yahoo Sports, covering it more from a national level. And just the little things he did for the guys that I work with, you know, they writing letters or try, trying to help them advance their careers in different ways, that's irreplaceable for someone to take their time and do some of those things. He, he was a one-of-a-kind guy. I, I know that I really enjoyed listening to him on the various shows, enjoyed doing the Therese Paler show. Uh, my father, who passed away in December, is his favorite show. He liked listening to Therese and I uh, each and every week, and he died right after a, a show I did this past December. And then, of course, we lost Therese um, right after his final final episode. So weird year, bizarre year, always dad's favorite. Told Therese, like, man, you made dad you know, smile and laugh at everything else with your show. He loved listening to it. And, uh, and then, you know, the juice team, the all juice team, you know, going back and forth, talking college football players. Hey, did you see this? Hey, did you see that? Like, I miss that stuff. And with college football, oh, we're on the dawn of it tomorrow, five games tomorrow. Like, I miss grabbing that phone, hitting Therese Paler and say, man, put this guy in your juice watch list, man. Or him say, hey, Jay, watch this guy, watch this guy. That's the, the kind of football camaraderie. Uh, you build with somebody, but he's a better human being than he was a football fan. But anyway, kind of my my history there with Therese. Yeah, mine's obviously not as long as yours because I haven't been in this industry as long as you have, but it's uh, it's one that, like, if I had to describe it, it was one of those things that just fell into place and it just never went away. And I think when you read the stories about Therese, when you hear the comments or you look at Twitter, you maybe look at your Facebook and you read comments that, you know, came from the announcement today of it being Therese Paler Day. Um, you can see the impact he had on everybody and not even ever meeting some of these people. And the way that I came in contact with Therese Paler was, you know, something our old boss had always told me to get in this industry. You need to get out and, you know, go cover things maybe on days that you shouldn't or maybe, you know, stick your neck out there and say, hey, you know what? You guys take a break. Let me go do it. And and I did that. And I went down to I went down or I guess I went up north to St. Joe uh, to cover a, a training camp day. And, you know, I'm nervous, man. I've never been around these guys. And you've got all these beat writers. You have Teicher and you have, you know, Pete Sweeney was kind of getting his come up. And here's, you know, all these guys, you know, that are getting ready to, you know, get ready for practice. And there's one chair and it's, it's very, there's four rows on each side underneath the tent at St. Joe where the media tent is. And there's one chair, and it's in the front right corner. It's not a popular chair, but it's right there, and it's the only one that's in the sun. And I'm like, you know what, Dusty? That's where you're sitting. Just go sit over there. And I sit down, and to next to me on my left in the front row is a man with a white shirt. It's uh, unbuttoned all the way down to his sternum, very open, always hot. Um, he's got these you know, jean shorts on and a cockeyed like Detroit Tigers fitted hat, uh, New Era fitted hat, and we're both kind of watching practice. And if there's one thing that Chiefs do and they practice, and you and I had mentioned this this year, we're down in St. Joe, um, they listen to music. And one of the songs that was playing at the time was uh, by a rapper named O.T. Janassi. And they're playing Cut It. And I'm kind of nodding my head and I look kind of over to my left because, you know, I've never been in this situation, man. Like, I've always tried to play it cool as I can. I'm like a duck on the water, uh, you know, to steal a line from Gene Hackman from The Replacements. I look calm, but underneath my feet are going 100 miles an hour. And I kind of look to my left and Therese is, is who's sitting next to me. And he starts, he's nodding his head and he kind of looks over to, you know, a guy he's never seen before. And 
He's like, oh, okay. Um, he goes, you know this song? I was like, oh, yeah, this is Cut It by O.T. Janess. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, this would be a pretty easy karaoke song. Just throwing like a, you know, a quick joke out. And he just kind of laughs in the way that Therese laughed. Like his, his laugh. And again, <laughs> I can't, yeah, I can't emphasize more. We're sitting in the front right corner during practice everybody's behind us. The, the cameras are up and everybody kind of looks back. And I, I never felt more comfortable before um, that moment. And I knew that who he was, right? I've read the paper. I've seen Twitter. I'd follow these people and we just hit it off and we started talking and we go back and forth and then practice ends and there's a fist bump and he goes his own way to go write his article for that day at camp. And I go my own way. And then as the months pass, uh, Ron Hughley and Josh Vernier did the first Therese Paler show and I produced that show. So my job of course is to call him up every week, get him on the line, let him know what's up. And I knew at that moment that he and I were close because I think the music that he had that was for his show was like this corny, like circus music that he didn't really like. And he was like, he was like, Hey dust. And that's what he called me was dust. D U S T say, Hey dust, man. He's like, do me a favor. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, can you give me something like a little more hip hop-ish to kind of get me into the moment when I get on the show? And I produced that full season, all that chief season with Therese. And I would go out and cover games. Therese was there. And he was kind of like my guy when I got outside of this office that I could go and lean on and be like, hey, where do we need to go for this? Or what should we do? And he'd say, hey, if you go over there, like this person will be available. Here's how they normally do it in post game. Just, you know, go over here. Then everybody will come over here. So he kind of gave me guidance. And then... Brandon Kylie does the Therese Paler show the next year. And I produce that show. Well, by at that point, I've had Therese on my shows when I would fill in and do weekend shows. And I think this whole thing kind of captures everything that is Therese Paler because here I am still trying to get, you know, gain traction in this town of Kansas City with sports broadcasting and media and stuff like that. And Therese Paler didn't care if I was working for ESPN working for Fox, working for anybody, Therese Paler would come on my show because he knew that I cared about what I did and I cared about what he did and that there was one thing that you could never take away from either one of us, and that was passion when it came to this town and this team. And like you said, it started in high school. It started with, and then it went to the Mizzou beat, and then it turned into the Chiefs beat, and then he got to Yahoo. And that was one of the first people in my life where people would talk to me and they'd be like, wow, you know Therese? I'm like, 100%. He's a cool-ass dude. He'll be straight with you. He's going to give it to you right. And I just always felt comfortable with Therese. Um, the night that he had passed, I did have a conversation with him. After your show, I had talked to him about, you know, maybe a hit that I thought was illegal. And he was like, no, I think it was all right. And I was like, all right, well, man, be easy. Take care. And he was like, all right, Dust, take care. And it was the next morning I got the news. And I'm just completely shocked. And I think the best time I ever had with Therese Myself, Chris Unicero, uh, Ron Hughley all went to a WWE event for uh, Raw. And, um, and sorry, Janice, I'm my bad. And so we go to this WWE event, and it's Ron, Therese, and I sitting in one row together. And we were all just kids, man, like watching wrestling, watching this performance go on and on. And we just really had the best time, and Therese was real. Uh, he was as cool as it gets, and and that's just kind of like how I got familiar with the man, and he was always there for me. And no matter what, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., whatever I needed, he was there to fulfill because, 
You know, we just got along. We had that passion for sports. It's kind of the impact he left on a lot of people. I mean, it's around the league. The Chiefs uh, did a nice tribute with even Andy Reid speaking before the game, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy, and other. Uh, Chris Ballard, by the way, 41 Action News uh, put some stuff together, too. Here's Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, who obviously was here in Kansas City. This kind of sums up what Therese Paler meant to a lot of these people. I appreciate it about him and about Therese so much was he loved football. He wanted to learn. Like he's not, he didn't, he didn't have all the answers like none of us do, but he had a really humble spirit about him. And I love that about him. I'm, and I'll never forget when we drafted Braden and Quentin in the, you know, Quentin in the first and Braden in the second um, 2018, he texted me and he said, you know, you took two of my all juice guys. And I said, <laughs> I, I know, I read it. <laughs> so um, that, that was, that was a, that was a pretty cool moment. He did. He, he said, yeah, I know. I read it <laughs> because people respected his old juice team. It's, it's funny. It's, he's talking about Braden Smith was right here from the late, the South and Quentin Nelson were on Therese's juice team. The chiefs went like three, three years of taking a guy on the all juice team. Uh, Matt Nagy, head coach of the Chicago Bears on KSHB 41 Action News, had this to say on Therese. The best part about Therese was the fact that he was just always so calm and just so interested in what you had to say. And and I think a lot of times you find guys that are like him where and you appreciate when they're actually listening to what you're saying and they're not worried about their next question. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like I thought yeah. that was awesome about him. And he'd always end, like I said in our tribute to him, he'd always end every conversation with me uh, with like, you know, you got a cool story for me. He'd always say, Nags, you got a cool story for me? He was always looking for something that was a little bit out of the box or something that he could present that wasn't just common to, to everybody. And that's what that's what I loved about him, and that's what I miss so much about him. Oh, man. I mean, you hear that exactly who he was. He, he has questions. You hear a lot of questions being thrown out. Do you think people actually care about some of the answers you hear, Dusty? Or do you think it's a, their job? They have to ask four questions or three questions. Because a lot of times, I don't know, Tom Brady said 90% of what he says is a lie. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Which made me think about the Super Bowl and everything else. But uh, he actually wanted to know the answer uh, to the questions. Again, I'll talk to Ebony Reed, his fiance, coming up at 7 o'clock. But I'll leave you with this before we move on to some fantasy football. So, Therese, there was an incident last year where John Bostick of the Washington football team drilled Andy Dalton. Nailed him late. Nailed him late. Guess who was fired up about it? Trish Paler was. Wrote about it. Talked to Charles Robinson of Yahoo about it on his podcast. Because he's, he had a question like the rest of us did. Where were the linemen protecting their quarterback? <laughs> he throws out the word street justice. Something he always liked to say. He said the Cowboys should have given a dose of, of street justice to John Bostick. But I'll never forget it. This was him with uh, Charles Robinson on Yahoo. But what you do is on this next play, you get handled. You know, cut blocks and dirty shit is happening. Street justice is what yep. I'm talking about during the course of the play. And it sounds like there wasn't any of that, okay? There's a couple different ways to handle this. You don't even have to get the personal foul penalty, but you better be doing some street justice. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome 
back to Big and I, Jay Binkley, Dustman, the Dirty Werewolf. Missouri High School football going on. Chiefs in Minnesota Vikings coming up at 7 o'clock. Put this preseason to bed. See what roster spots. There are a few. We'll get into them. It can be decided tonight. I think a lot of decisions are already pretty much made when you go in the last game. But there's always a couple guys. We'll see what they do. But you got to understand what the other team's doing, who they rest and who they playing, and take it all with a grain of salt. So most decisions are made during practice. By the way, Chris Bubich on the mound for the Kansas City Royals tonight. Sorry, Vern. Uh, Chris Bubich uh, pitching <laughs> for the Royals. <laughs> what? Royals insider. That game was fun last night. That game was a lot of fun. But uh, anyway, this Therese Paler day in Kansas City, the Chiefs and Vikings a little bit. Then we can start talking about the regular. I'm ready for Cleveland. I'm. We got two weeks to talk about it. And not that we're not talking about it now, but we got two weeks. But it's Cleveland week starting at ten. Go ahead and flip the clock. It's Cleveland week. They're on the clock, and we'll wait for Bobby Witt Jr. Whenever that happens. But Dustman, you do the fantasy football Sundays. Here on 610 Sports Radio. How many podcasts are you do in a week? You doing one a week on that or? Probably two. We'll okay, be the, two. We'll do just once a week and then Sunday show. So there'll be a podcast that releases on uh, Thursday morning or Wednesday morning. It'll be Wednesday morning it releases uh, on the Force to Punt podcast that I've now taken in sole possession. And then Sundays at 9 a.m. will be the show from uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Or I'm sorry, 9 to nine to 10 a.m. on uh, Sundays with the uh, with the with the. Fantasy football. Sundays. I'll be here Sunday with you, buddy. That's right. Right there. Three hours of me and the dust, man. It's good stuff. But fantasy football, the fun thing is I see all these uh, fantasy drafts going on now. I, I asked a question the other night, Dusty. Like, what, what, what's the weirdest thing you've made the loser do in your league? Got a lot of tattoos, some piercings. Uh, there were some interesting things. Usually in the leagues I've been in, you pay the bar tab. You lost, you pay the bar tab for next year's draft. Obviously, last year threw things a little bit in the, into the uh, – it turned things around a little bit because a lot of Zoom call uh, NFL fantasy drafts. But regardless, I know people that drafted Travis Etienne, and then he goes and gets hurt. I've always said this, Dusty. If you're going to give me your biggest do and don't, because I know a lot of people right now are doing fantasy drafts. You know people that have done it. Yeah. I know people have done it. I have a rule. I usually wait until the last game. Now, in previous years when there's four preseason games, it's okay, I feel, to do it between week three and four because mm-hmm. week four nobody plays. This year, a little bit different because it is only the third preseason game and some starters around the league do play. Or you can be like 14 starting quarterbacks in this league have not even played one down right. of football in the preseason. Guys like Justin Herbert, guys like Derek Carr, uh, to name a few. What's your biggest do and don't for people that are putting their fantasy uh, lineups together? I think biggest do's and don'ts are um, don't assume that the time is central time right away because so many people are – uh, you know, they do through ESPN fantasy and ESPN is run on central or on Eastern time. So it's an hour earlier that you see. So like, make sure you're looking at the time of your draft because there's nothing that nobody else hates more in this entire world than the auto draft guy, right? The guy that's like, Oh, sorry, I forgot the draft was tonight. My bad. So put a reminder in your phone. I kick him out and, if I can. Oh, uh, so annoying. It, it drives me nuts. The commissioner Arley is pretty good at it. He, uh, he kind of makes sure there's like almost like a roll call. Like, you, everybody gets in there about 30 minutes ahead or an hour ahead of time. You can get into the league and see, obviously, the draft. We already know our draft order ahead of time. But we, we everybody kind of checks in an hour ahead of time. And then if there's somebody that hasn't checked in and we're, you know, 10 minutes away from the draft, somebody's got somebody's number. And it's like, hey, check in, man. Like, we're not doing this auto draft stuff. And then if we get, you know, there's some guy. I mean, this league's 100 bucks to get in that I'm in. 
Um, and there's some guys that when we get to like rounds 11 through 14, they're like, hey, I'm going auto draft. I'll see you guys later or whatever. We're like, all right, sweet. That's fine with me. I'll go get all the fines that nobody's talking about. That's one dude. Is that where some of the hidden gyms are in the late rounds? Guys that like no one's thinking about like, like Justin Fields. Do you stash him on your roster? Do you right. hope he beats that Andy Dalton? Looks like Andy Dalton's a starter. Or do you stash somebody like Fields thinking, all right, week four, right. this guy's going to come in, throw dimes, and run for 50 yards Well, a game. see, like a guy that you could find uh, this year, I think in like the 11th round, if you're looking to, because a lot of people are, and this is, I'll get you another don't. I talked about it Sunday, but to fill the spot first, um, you could find like a Mike Gusecki in the 11th round, right? Because everybody's going to build, build, build. And a good thing or a don't that I would say for people in fantasy is don't just do what everybody else starts to do because everybody should, at least at this point, if you're in a league that's been together for a while, you should have your first three picks to where you've done some mock drafts. If you know where you're picking, now obviously if it's an hour before your draft, you know, you have to do a quick mock draft real fast. Um, But if you're picking third and you know, you're picking third for a, for about a week before your draft, you should have done some mock drafts. Stick to your homework. Stick to what you're going to do. Like, just because in the fourth round, someone's like, I'm taking Darren Waller. Be like, crap, I got to get a tight end now. Don't worry about that. There's value. Uh, there's value later on in the draft where you can find those tight ends where people will check out. Well, they'll, where they're just going to go to the top, you know, players available, and they're going to take the first one, cue it, draft it, move on. That's how they're going to do that. Or guys will tell you that they're just going to go to auto draft their rosters filled. They don't care about backups. Um, but that's where you can find that depth and just stick. Like the do is to stick to what you know, like stick to your homework. Like if you know you're picking fourth or you know you're picking seventh, et cetera, et cetera. Like just stick to that. Know where your pick is. Stick to your sheets or whatever. Charge is really good at that to like tell you like where these guys will technically become this round. Oh, he's big in the stick of your plan. Right. And that's what I've always kind of understudied under him and kind of taken forward and I'll do mock drafts from me. Like, okay. These three players tend to be available in the sixth round with where I pick. So I'm going to keep these three guys available. Kind of like you do a mock draft That's smart. Right. And then when it comes to that, and let's don't say, matter. right. Well, neither do these really kind of, but like the thing is, is like when you get down to these picks and all of a sudden the three guys that you've had in your radar in the sixth round, let's say that Kareem Hunt's still there in the sixth round. He's a guy you're like, okay, that's where I'll get one of my, um, that's where I'm going to get one of my running backs. Kareem Hunt's going to be there. Somebody else will be there. And you're like, okay, both these guys are there. Then that's on you. That's like the coin flip. Okay. Okay. The homework that I had two of the three guys that I knew would probably be here are actually here. Whereas a lot of times the guy before that will be like, I'm going to take a defense early. So I get my defense and then somebody will panic and be like, Oh no, I need to get a defense now. Don't do that. Stick to the plan, stick to your homework and don't get out of there. So that's, you know, one of the things that you want to keep, keep in mind. That's a don't the draft to me, Serta, uh, obviously a good friend of mine and, you know, the previous fantasy guy here, he's had a couple drafts and I know there's other people that have reached out and said, Hey, this guy got hurt. What should I do? That's on you, man. Like I've never drafted until all the preseason games are done. I'm in two leagues. One of my drafts is Sunday night, the weekend of labor day. And the other one is Monday night, the weekend of labor day. Why we've come to an agreement in our group of friends. Everybody tends to be home at seven o'clock on Monday night of labor day, the holiday. We all agree. Hey, some of us are married. Some of us are in serious relationships. And we'll just tell ourselves, all right, Monday, Labor Day, the 6th, we're all here. Let's do it. So that's when you draft. So much can happen. And, you know, with the young kid in Jacksonville out of Cleveland that just went down, I'm sure there were people that were listening to hypes, listening to this, 
and be like, what should I do? Should I take this running back just to heave? Well, Etienne was going to be used as a gadget player anyway. And the problem, too, is that if you James took Robinson him, was still going to be the bell cow. That's suit. The other thing, too, is that I was steering clear of Jacksonville's running situation in the first place. And the other thing that's going crazy, too, is that, you know, Henderson in Los Angeles all of a sudden was going to get the heavy workload. Nobody really knew what he could do. He was going to be a main running back. People that drafted early probably took him way too early and had passed on a receiver that they might have found. Or, you know, could have taken a sleeper quarterback in that later round. The great thing about that is, guess what? Sony Michelle goes to the Rams. Somebody who was like, oh, Sony Michelle, New England, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, now they're in a McVay offense with a Matthew Stafford quarterback. Sleeper, by the way. I think it's now getting out, though, that Matthew Stafford's like the number one sleeper quarterback, it seems to be. But like you said, what do you do with these young quarterbacks that get drafted? If you don't get them in the top 10 rounds, that's fine. Somebody took a more gambled step than you were going to do. Justin Fields, I'm not taking unless he's around 11 or 12. That's where I would take Stash. him. Because guess what? If the worst happens and he goes in for Andy Dalton and gets hurt, or Andy Dalton gets the first six weeks because Matt Nagy just can't realize that it should be Justin Fields' job, then you lose a little bit of that because you lose six weeks of fantasy. First six weeks are important because the first four, nobody has a bye. Week five, buy started to kick in. So if you can find those guys late, again, stick to your homework. Don't zig when everyone else zags and just stick to the plan and just trust your trust your homework, man. That's all you got to do. We're about 30 minutes from the Chiefs and Vikings over on our sister station, 106.5 The Wolf. Josh Klingler on the sidelines. Dana Hughes, color analyst. Mitch Holtis, play-by-play. By the way, some Royals news. Josh Vernier, Royals insider, you hear at 8 o'clock. Brad Keller heading to the IL. Josh Stamont and... And and Edward Olivares in uniform. Guys got tonight. some traveling miles. He does. It's frequent flyer miles. I mean, you might keep track of that stuff. But Edward Olivares in uniform tonight. The Bobby Witt Jr. watch continues. We'll be right back after this because I have something to say about this division. The catch game. Can you catch the Kansas City Chiefs? This division puzzles me. There's one team that might surprise you. He's probably doing the most to catch Kansas City Chiefs. Talk about that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Jody Fortson. Hey, let's watch some Jody tonight. I see him up on the uh, the screen now. Don't forget the game's over on 106.5, the Wolf, our sister station. We'll do some post-game for you in the regular season. Once the Browns start, be back after the game uh, on the Arrowhead Pride post-game show. Filling you in on what happened Josh Klingler will join us. Pete Sweeney will join us. We'll have a lot of fun talking Kansas City Chiefs when that happens. Kansas City Royals tonight in Seattle. Sal Perez, 35th home run last night. How fun was that? People were up at midnight, and I love it. People were tweeting about Sal Perez uh, going yard. Love it. I love home runs. Love Sal Perez's power. Always have. But we'll talk about him in a little bit. Is he the second best Royal ever? I thought it was funny that that was one home run, I think, in my entire life where neither the pitcher or the batter watched it. Because when Sal hit it, he just put his head down like, man, I got you. Dude, and then dude, Smith, so didn't even, Smith didn't even turn around. He saw, no. he saw him hit it, and he just was like, crap. Well, he's always done this his whole career. Like, he went he went like seven straight years where he kept elevating home runs every year. It was like a MLB record. For like, sure. But then he tied at 27. He didn't hit the 28, but he kept getting better. But all that power, that raw power, Ned used to talk about it. You know, he'd fish it out, he'd golf it out, and go over the fence. That's just pure power. But, Dusty, last night I had on uh, Andy Lindahl. He's the uh, former Broncos sideline reporter his afternoons over on Altitude Sports in Denver. He's been to every camp practice. 
And because I'm going to talk about the whole Drew Locke dynamic, because there's a lot of people out there, Dusty. It kind of reminds me of Gannon Gerback. I mean, there's a lot of split people on the quarterback. It's Bridgewater, but there's a lot of people, and I know people here in Kansas City probably pull for Drew because he's from Lee Summit. But the bottom line is there's a lot of people out there that are split on Drew or Teddy. And the Denver Broncos, so that's a problem. Like, that's a real problem. Because I've stated, I think the Broncos roster is better than the Chargers. But look a little what these teams have done. Are they trying to catch the Chiefs or not? Because Vic Fangio is still the head coach. Personally, if they don't make the playoffs, he gets run. And you know what? I'm backing the Brinks truck up from Denver to hire Eric Vianney. It just makes too much sense. He knows Mahomes from day one. He's been with Andy Reid. Played for Andy Reid. He's been here since day one with Andy Reid back in 2013. That's the guy I backed the Brinks truck up for. Because you got to beat the Chiefs. Or you're going nowhere in this division. It's got to be so frustrating if you're Denver, if you're Vegas, if you're the Chargers, and you're in a division with the Chiefs. Like if you're Cleveland, you're like, okay, we still got to beat Baltimore. If you're Baltimore, you're saying, we got to beat Cleveland and Pittsburgh. You know, because Pittsburgh may be down now, but they're going to get right back up. Like that fighter you knock down, they're going to get right back up. So you got to be cognizant of that. NFC West could be anybody. could be four teams to win that division. But this division is on lockdown. Andy Reid, 31-5 and five since 2015. But what are these teams doing? I like, what the, I like what the Broncos did. As far as making moves, I like their moves personnel-wise better than the rest of the division. They bring in they, defensive back loaded. Ronald Darby comes in there. Kyle Fuller comes in there. You're looking at top 10 defense in Denver. Von Miller healthy. Him and Bradley Chubb are playing together as pass rush for the first time in three years that they've been together. But then they draft Patrick Sertan. Okay, they drafted him with the primary focus of the Kansas City. They were thinking of the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey. They have a corner on him in Sertan. Even Andy Lindhall said it's part of Fangio's plan. When they play, play the Kansas City Chiefs, you'll see Sertan on Travis Kelsey because Kelsey continues to beat him, beat them down as he does everybody else. So I like what they did in their moves. Love the offensive skill positions. Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, Noah Fant, and Javante Williams, the running back uh, that we didn't talk about in fantasy. But I think, you know, Gordon's still there, but Javante Williams is the real deal uh, for running backs in Denver. I think he ends up leading that team in yardage uh, and carries by the end of the year. So that's one team, but still they're, they're held back by the head coach in a quarterback competition that's split between the two. All right, the Raiders, okay, what did they do right? They did one thing right. They brought in Gus Bradley to be defensive coordinator. He's been the defensive coordinator with the Chargers. Gives the Chiefs fits sometimes. Like, that was the right decision for them. Now, it's too bad if you believe those rumors they called the Chicago Bears to get Khalil Mack back. They should have never got rid of him in the first place because they need him against Patrick Mahomes, and they know that. But they lose Gabe Jackson on the offensive line. They lose Rodney Hudson. They lose Trey Brown. They lost three starters on that offensive line. Good players. In my opinion, even with Gus Bradley, and you lose that offensive line, they took a step back. And then you got the Chargers. They're the biggest question mark in this division. People either love them, or you're kind of like, meh, with me. It's a defensive coordinator's head coach. Not a huge fan of that with the new quarterback like Justin Herbert. Just not a huge fan of it. Maybe if he's a longtime coordinator, proved his worth in the NFL, one year. He's been a one-year defensive coordinator. He's new head coach of the Chargers. That shouldn't scare you. That should not scare you. Yes, they're getting everybody back and Derwin James until they all get hurt. They always do. It's what the Chargers do. But instead of hiring Eric Bieniemy, which they should have because it's a guy that played for him, played in the Super Bowl with them, and 
again, knows Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid like the back of his hand, they go defensive coordinator year one. Who Harbert's not even played the preseason. You would think he'd want to get some continuity, some sync with that. Now, we've seen defensive coaches work well with, with quarterbacks. Bill Belichick, obviously, and Tom Brady. It's at the top of the chart. You know, as far as defensive-minded guys working well with offensive players. But nobody's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. We understand that. It's visions of Grand who are thinking of that. So I just haven't seen the steps from this division to even be concerned about. I'm not seeing these tangible moves. Like the whole AFC is like, I'm looking at it and say, do they really want to catch the Chiefs? Why is Orlando Brown here from the Ravens? The Ravens need to beat the Chiefs. They're 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes. That's a problem. The one thing the Chiefs needed was left tackle. Because you know what? Left tackle wasn't in this draft. We can talk Sam Cosme, Liam Eisenberg, all these guys. Alex Leatherwood, doesn't matter. The left tackle did not exist in this draft. Didn't. The Chiefs would have been stuck, man. What's the Trent Williams deal? They probably would have had to throw some money at Alejandro Villanueva. They probably had to be in a situation they didn't want to be in. But Orlando Brown's here. It's unbelievable. It's a great move by Rhett Veach. Saw something they needed. And hell, Trent Williams has been banged up with the knee. He's 26 years old, much younger. 33 is what Trent Williams is. Ends up working out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland, I feel, took the best step out of the rest of them as far as that second bubble. But again, I'm looking at these teams and saying, how much do they want to catch the Chiefs? How much are they wanting to catch the Kansas City Chiefs? Because I just don't see a lot of it. I once asked Trez Paler that since Trez Paler's show. He thought the best way is to try to keep throwing darts at quarterbacks. Makes sense. You know, like Justin Fields. He's a, like None of these hotshot quarterbacks went in the division. Like Derek Carr is a stone for the for the Vegas Raiders. Never won a playoff game. Justin Herbert, I assume, shows promise. Denver can't figure what, what, what they're doing because they have five straight years of a different quarterback starting the opening game. And next year, it's probably going to be the sixth quarterback in six straight years starting a different opening day game for him. No continuity. So I see that stuff and I scratch my head. At times, regardless, Chiefs, Vikings in 14 minutes. Royals, Mariners, Josh Furnier coming up with Vern's On Deck Show at 8 o'clock. But coming up next, Dusty, something you're passionate about, and I know I'm, I'm passionate about this too, is Salvador Perez really the second best Royal in history? We can make a pretty good case for it next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Don't pick Carrington, but make your Survivor League pick right now at 610sports.com. Welcome back to Big and Night, Jay Binkley, the Dirty Werewolf, Dusty Likens himself. Catch him on Fantasy Football Sundays. That's right. 9 a.m. We did that together. You didn't change the name or anything, right? It's still the name, right? It's just Sunday. It's just Fantasy, Fantasy Football, Football Sundays, Sunday. man. Right. I love Sundays now. I do, too. It's, it's my favorite day to talk sports because you got everything right. happened on Saturday. They don't last long enough. You know, in, in the Sundays have been fun because it's a reaction to the Chiefs. You know what was kind of like Sunday will be? You know what was kind of cool about last year on uh, on the weird season we had? Is that you never knew if you are going to have football on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, or Friday. <laughs> you remember that Chiefs game was on a Tuesday? Yeah, because COVID. You oh, know man, that was crazy. But you know what? Props to the NFL. 256 games were on the schedule. 256 games were played. That's fair. Can't say that about college football. No. This year, college football, they're saying, <laughs> You can't play, you forfeit. You take the L. It's like, we're done scheduling. We're done with this crap. Right. You play, or you take the L. The like- NFL, they've got 272 now because of week 17. But regardless, Chiefs, Vikings coming up here in about eight minutes. Ebony Reed, it was Tress Paler's uh, fiance, 
spent five football seasons uh, with the great Trez Paler. And um, good stuff. Good stuff from her. She'll join me 8 o'clock here on this Trez Paler. Excuse me, 7 o'clock here on this Trez Paler day here in Kansas City. Dusty, something I've pondered at times, mm-hmm. and I try not to do this because a lot of times, how many times do you see that was the like Twitter reaction from your friends, whatever, like something's always the greatest game that ever happened. Right. You're like, yeah, wait a minute, man. There was a game back in 95 that, you know, rivals it. But a lot of people, like Kramer, for instance, like he knows nothing would happen before 2000. <laughs> and I have to remind him right. all the time, like revisionist history. But a lot of times we always, like, I never forget that Chiefs Broncos had a great game. People say it's the greatest game ever. It's like, eh, saw Joe Montana, you know, lead a, lead a drive down at the end. That was a pretty damn good Broncos Chiefs right. game. You know what I mean? I get it. Maybe you like one game over another. That's fine. But you always have to look at history and you always have to consider what happened or how the game was being played. Or if there was only 14 games in the season, now there's going to be 17. Again, it's like the juice. When he ran for 2,000 yards, it meant more because there was 14 games. But regardless, Sal Perez, is he the second greatest Royal of all times? Come on. I know you've been hot on this, Dusty. You have, you, yeah. you put this out there all the time, uh, which is great. I mean, you mean, right now, if you ask somebody, they'd probably say Frank White because of the gold gloves. I mean, everybody's got hammer the, saber hanging. Seems to be the popular Saves, ones. World Series MVP. I mean, right. it was big time for the Kansas City Royals. But Sal Perez, this guy, seven-time All-Star. He made that MLB first team last year because they did that new list they yeah. got. Won the World Series. Won World Series MVP, which is insane when you do both. Five-time gold glove. Be six this year. Three-time... Silver Slugger Award. He'll be four-time after yeah. this year. He's been a comeback player of the year, which is cool because it shows your resiliency to come back. Mm-hmm. But when you're World Series MVP and you're damn good like he's doing, and he's doing something that we haven't seen in the American League since 99 with Pudge Rodriguez hit 35 bombs. Yeah. And then we start to think, could 48 be possible? He's on pace for 44 home runs. But the bottom line is, here was a fine for the Royals when he was 16 years old in Valencia, Venezuela, right? Right. And Dusty, I went off on this the other day because of all the the criticism like the Royals front office gets at time about the draft. Uh-huh. You know what I reminded people of? 16-year-old Salvador Perez, probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. You're going to give you credit? Bobby Witt Jr., who drafted him? Dayton Moore. Nick Prado, who drafted him? Dayton Moore. Uh-huh. Daniel Lynch, who drafted him? Dayton Moore. Sure. Who's got the fifth best farm system in baseball, according to MLB.com, what Baseball America's has in third? Who's got six in the top 100? Kansas City Royals do. Yeah. You think that was done? Poof, the Magic Dragon makes the Kansas City Royals farm system good? No, it goes over to the Kansas City Royals. But Salvador Perez, 16 years old, signs with the Kansas City Royals. And what we've seen from this guy, Dusty, not only is a leader, loves playing the game, loves having fun. Yeah, it's time to start talking about him. I've been talking for years. They're going to put a statue of him out there. Yeah. It's going to be an ever-flowing bucket of water. Yeah. Seriously, it's city fountains. I mean, it's right. perfect. Yeah. In the outfield, 100-degree days, kids can put their heads underneath it, adults, whatever. Sure. But, again, it's going to happen. Like, you got to remember that 2015 class, right? Right. Because I once asked Eric Cosmer during the World Series, I was like, do you guys ever sit and think about your place in Royals lore? Because this is like they haven't beaten the Mets yet and – like Moose and you and Prez and Gordon, do you ever, ever think of your place? Because, like, the Buddy Biancolanas of the world I, and Willie Wilson's of the world, I can't tell you how many interviews we've done with them. Because that was like the only championship we had there, you know, 85 on up until sure. the Royals and, and Chiefs started collecting them. Right. 
but all the conversations only circle back to Sal Perez, in my opinion. He's the guy that I remember the most because he stayed here. Mm-hmm. But when I think of that World Series, of course he's top of mind. He was the World Series MVP. Right. Which, by the way, they had to move that car because the Mets were jerks and made the Royals get off the field. But regardless, different story for a different time. Right. But is he the second best player? I'm an older dude. So I've seen the old and the young. Hell, I sat in the 1980 World Series in the outfield with my mom yeah. against the Phillies. So I've seen the old Royals. I've seen the new Royals. I'm saying, yeah, I think he is. I think you're right. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. And I've been on this now for probably two months. And I think the reason that you can coin this for him is that there's there's three big rungs that he hangs on when it comes to these accolades. One, the World Series MVP. Two, He's part of a core on that team that you mentioned, the Hosmer, the Moose, the, the all those guys, Gordon. Three, the personality. The thing about Saberhagen is, yes, he was, you know, the MVP. He was, you know, the pitcher that whatever. Salvador Perez is probably your current favorite Royal. He's my favorite current Royal. He's... A lot of people's favorite Royal, and it varies. You better hold that energy till Bobby Wood Jr. gets here. We're getting trust. Come on, man. You know you're <laughs> I'm talking saying, to. Him. I'm on. just saying you'll drop Perez like a bad habit. I won't. You got to leave first, and then I'll do it. Okay. So you look at Sal Perez, right? And everything he does captures everyone's attention, like the old snobs of baseball. I'll put my dad in that category. Sal Perez is that guy that every year he's been in the league, he's improved and he's gotten better and he's just the best at his position. There's no doubt about it because next year when Yadier Molina has his final year, the torch will officially be passed that there's no conversation. The best catcher in baseball in baseball is Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez also is tracking to be an MLB hall of famer. There's not a lot of catchers in the hall of fame. I think it's under 15 in the baseball hall of fame. The last one to go in was Mike Piazza. That's an accolade that not a lot of people have. And when you talk about second best and you mentioned Frank White, that's great. Frank White's personality wasn't there. Frank White had the gold gloves. Salvi's got the gold gloves. Those are now off there. Frank White has a World Series. So does Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez has a World Series MVP. Salvador Perez, oh, by the way, when you were talking about favorite games, it's tough for me as a Kansas City and outside of personality of sports, which one I would rank higher. The Houston Texans game where they scored the 27 unanswered or that wild card game in 14 where guess who hits the ball down the left side of the field and has the great celebration. Now Salvador Perez is evolving into this captain. And I'll promise you, Binkley, you can mark this tape. The next Royal to wear a C on their jersey will be Salvador Perez. Marked. Okay. Salvador Perez, before he retires a Royal, will have a C on his jersey, which will mean he's a captain. And he is, to me, and again, nobody's going to pass Brett. Sure. Like, nobody's going to pass Brett. Josh Verner said at one point, there's only like 12 players since Brett's been in the Hall of Fame that you could probably put in the same echelon as talented as Brett is. But Salvador Perez, before he retires, will have a C on his jersey. He will evolve this pitching core that is coming up. Who's more important to this pitching core than anybody else? Salvador Perez. And the other thing about it is, the next three numbers that will be retired will be four. It'll be um, it'll be four, it'll be three, and it'll be 13. Those are the next three that are going up on that Hall of Fame. And Salvador Perez, to me, without question, is showing everyone this year, he's five-year-old's favorite players, he's 12-year-old's favorite players, he's 20s, he's 30s, he's 40s, he's 50s, he's 60s, hell, he's 70-year-old's favorite players. Salvador Perez is, no question, already the, great, the second greatest player in franchise history. Got 35 home runs, 
Here's here's who's ahead of American League catchers. Yeah. Carlton Fisk had 37. Hall of Famer. Pudge Rodriguez, 35. Debatable Terry Hall of Steinbeck, Famer. Terry Steinbeck, 35. Gary Sanchez, 34. Right. Okay, he's got 35. He's two away from Carlton Fisk for the most home runs in a season and they're not by just, an American League catcher. They're not just home runs, Binkley. They're bombs. And he's like... Salvador Perez early in his career swings at everything. Doesn't know what a strike but is. By now a he's connecting. Yeah. And baseball's been around a minute. And gets beat up. Salvador Perez took a bat off the finger and like a ball to the neck and still played. He's unbelievable. He's Come, awesome. Coming up next, I had a conversation with Ebony Reed. She's the fiance of the late great Therese Paler. We'll play you that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 